And welcome back to episode four of the Commissioner's Office podcast. My name is Daniel, and I am joined by Jonathan Fogel and Nicholas Friedman. If you don't already know, they uh, run a podcast called The Engine, which you can also find on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and WNTHradio.com. How's it going, boys? We're, uh, we're doing good today. Nick, how are you doing? I've been pretty good. I was antsy all day to do another podcast, so I'm glad to be on with you. I got to, Nick, I got I to gotta say, because um, you were telling me about Daniel's podcast yesterday before I listened to it. And I just got to say, Daniel, you have a 10 out of 10 podcast voice. Like, one, oh, thank 100%, you. <laughs> 100%, bro. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Describing Daniel, I remember, so I, I listened to like five minutes of one of your podcasts before you came on. And I was like, if you think about any person with just like that ideal, like soothing podcast voice, it's butter. It's butter on top. Literally him, John, Johnny. You have the radio voice, but he's got uh, yeah, he's got I the know, podcast voice. Like, All right. Well, uh, well, thank you. Uh, if you, for our listeners, I also appeared on one of their episodes, their latest episode of the Engine. We talked about the top ten head coaches in the NFL. So go check that one out. It is a very good episode. Um, but the topic for today's episode is going to be, uh, well, the 2008 New England Patriots. Now, a lot of our listeners might think, yeah, it was just another year with Brady, probably, you know, 13-3 season, divisional round, first round bye. But uh, it wasn't actually because there was one big problem with that team, and that was uh, that Tom Brady didn't actually play. (laughs) He tore his ACL uh, in the first game versus the Kansas City Chiefs. But somehow they still went 11-5. and five. So I'm not exactly sure how that works, but we're going to try to uh, dissect the team and see how it did work. So uh, as I already mentioned, starting quarterback was Matt Castle. So uh, guys, what do, you, what do you think of Matt Castle? Is he, is, was he a good quarterback when, when he played? He's always, always a capable backup, I'd say. Describe him as. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I would say. I mean, you, you look at the stats. He he almost had four thousand yards, twenty one touchdowns, eleven picks. That's that's what I'm looking for for a, from a backup, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make the argument that Matt Castle wasn't just a a good backup because he also uh, he did not uh, spend his entire career with the Patriots. He also played for the Chiefs as well and made a Pro Bowl with them uh, in 2010. So this would have been after. He uh, left the New England Patriots, but basically what happens is Brady gets hurt in week one versus the Chiefs, and they send in Brody Croyle to throw like three passes. I looked at the box score before this episode, and then they pull him, and they throw in Matt Castle, and his first play is like a 50-yard pass play to Randy Moss. So it's uh, it's pretty cool, but Matt Castle actually ended up with 3,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions on the year. It's just... That, that to me is insane. I don't know. He, when he did get that starting job on other teams, he showed some flashes, but really was not ever really a top 20 quarterback in the league. So I think really a lot of this, of course, we're going to credit to Bill Belichick, the incredible coach, and mm-hmm. passing it to Randy Moss and Wes Welker as their two top receivers. Uh, most quarterbacks can succeed with the combination of coach and wide receiver. But does this hurt Brady is the question, his legacy. Yeah, in my, it's... In my opinion. It's really interesting because this team went 11 and 5 somehow, but they didn't they didn't actually win their division. I think the Jets won their division because, you know, they had the elite Mark Sanchez as their quarterback. 
But before we get to how they did, uh, who was their leading rusher this year, the Patriots? Sammy Morris. Sammy Morris. Sammy Morris. Have you ever you ever heard of Sammy Morris? I've never heard of him. Uh, fifth round pick for the Bills in in the year two thousand. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's anything the Patriots are good at, it's like pulling really like. I mean, this guy was literally born in Oxford, England. Like, how how do they find these guys, man? Like, he didn't do anything stellar, but he also, I mean, you know, seven hundred twenty seven yards and seven touchdowns is not gonna you know blow your socks off, but. I don't know. Just how does Belichick find these like trash running backs and turn them into like serviceable players? I just I don't know how he does that. Daniel, I'm gonna I'm gonna present this argument to you, and it's one that me and Nick Freeman talk about very often, and it's that all running backs are trash, but put in the right circumstance, they can all be excellent. Look at look, here's the perfect example. Look at Demarco Murray. You give him the best offensive line in the league, and he runs for almost 1,800 yards, maybe even above that. And he goes to the Eagles. He takes the paycheck, which is what I would have do. Uh, that's what I would have done. Secure the bag, obviously. It's, it's what you're supposed to do. And he's just is significantly – he's just underwhelming. And the argument can be made that the running back position, not antiquated, but more – doesn't. it's not as important as that of a receiver. And I think that that's the problem with this Patriots team you're looking at in 2020 without Brady. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can succeed without having a great running back who runs for, like – or runs for like over a thousand yards, but having great receivers, I'd say, and having a great coach with a mediocre quarterback is a decent way to have a good team. That's interesting you say that because I don't, I mean, you really think DeMarco Murray is trash? Like he's, he's just like a trash player. Cause I mean, I know it's more of a, it's more of a, it's more of a joke, but you, you I know guess, what I mean. I mean, I, I understand it, what you're saying, but also he did have another 1200 yard season when he went to Tennessee. Well, so. it's really not that running backs are trash. Um, it's running backs aren't very valuable. Right. They're very replaceable is probably the best word. Look at mm-hmm. the Panthers right now. They look just as good of a team with Mike Davis instead of McCaffrey. And I mean, Mike Davis is putting up great fantasy numbers, but we all know <laughs> they're not, they're not nearly the same level. So I would say it's really a replaceability argument. And that it is odd to me why the Patriots still invest so highly in running backs, like taking Sony Michelle in the first round, Damien Harris in the third round. Mm-hmm. When there's usually such an analytically sound team who can pick up skill position players better than any team in the league off the streets. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think the one thing that kind of struck me about this 2008 team is that it's kind of weird because Bill Belichick is like, you know, this like 65-year-old coach who's been coaching since the 70s, but yet he always has teams that are so ahead of its time. It's really weird because now I do understand what you're saying. I would say that yeah, now in the last like 20 years, running backs have became become more uh, replaceable. But when you look at, I mean, Sammy Morris, this guy comes out of nowhere. Also replacing Kevin Falk, who's one of the veterans on that team. I guess he only started three games, but uh, and then they also had Lamont Jordan, who th- these are names that I think played Classic before name. I was born. Classic yeah. names. <laughs> Classic name. I think, I think Lamont Jordan, this guy was like, yeah, he actually did rush for a thousand yards once in 2005. Uh, in Oakland, but that's, uh, that's, I don't know. It's it's just, it's really funny sometimes how Bill Belichick will just like find the most random players and then <laughs> just uh, somehow get good production out of them. But here's, here's a good name. This guy should have belong, should belong in a key and peel sketch. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Love him. <laughs> 
That's a good name. I yeah. vaguely remember that guy in like 2010. He was like kind of good, but I, I don't remember. He was like the Patriots bell cow for a little bit. This was like the first year I played fantasy and he was actually a pretty, pretty high pick. And then also I remember he went to the Browns right before they took Trent Richardson and a classic going from the Patriots to Browns move could not succeed at all. Yeah, yeah it happens. Uh, so let's turn to their receiving game. Uh, their receivers, their best receiver was Wes Welker, who I believe, yeah, he made the Pro Bowl. That no, year. Randy Moss? What about Randy, Randy Moss? Moss was their best receiver. Randy Moss. Well, maybe, maybe statistically career-wise, but that season Wes Welker had more receptions and yards. But Randy Moss had 11 touchdowns and Wes Welker had three. I guess that's and, true. And the argument, Daniel, could also be made that Randy Moss had 69 catches for 1,008 nice. yards and Wes Welker had 111 catches for 1,065 yards. I'd, I'd say that Randy Moss is probably the best receiver on the team. Yeah, I think at that point he was. I think this was – 2008 was probably – if 2007 was probably the peak of his career, this was probably the start of his decline because he was 31. But, you know, still a good season nonetheless. It's just – uh. Yeah, I mean, he had – it's very interesting because Randy Moss went from 2007, you got yeah, first-team All-Pro, 1,400 yards on 98 receptions, 23 touchdowns, which I think is the record. And then you go to 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. He had a bounce-back year the next year, but, you know, he did have Brady. But I guess I guess that is a good argument. Randy Moss does more damage on less uh, receptions, which uh, it's yeah. – uh, and Randy Moss is kind of such a big play threat that having a guy like Matt Castle, who you're not really, isn't going to air it out as much, doesn't have the job security to be chucking it up, or really the talent if we're going there, to be throwing it 40 yards up to Randy Moss every single possession, which teams should be doing because Randy Moss might be the most imposing receiver in NFL history. So yeah. I think that's definitely, if we're going purely based off Randy Moss, it's not really surprising that his stats went down that year. Yeah, I mean, it's an overall lower quality quarterback, so it does make more sense. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because it, it kind of like reflects how the Patriots play currently. They have like kind of the same skeleton of their style of play. So like, you know, their number one receiver now is Julian Edelman, who's kind of like Wes Welker, like a slot guy, transformed returner coming out of nowhere. And now he just only gets catches. I don't exactly know who the Randy Moss would be at this point. I guess it'd be like Nikhil Harry, but I was gonna say Nikhil Harry's a dog. That's a steep comparison. That's beyond steep. That just they they don't have that. Yep. (laughs) I mean, Randy Moss is a top three receiver all time. Let's just be honest with ourselves. He's he's just an unbelievable talent. But Nikhil Harry is an underrated talent. His name is his name is Nikhil. Like, come on now, Randy, Randy something. But Nikhil, uh, I digress. Yeah, I think other than Wes Welker and Randy Moss, man, they had like no receivers. They got Ben Watson, who was not a starter at that time. And man, Jabbar Gaffney was their third receiver. That is, that's tough. Name I've never heard. A name I've never heard in my life. (laughs) This is one of those names that like I would see when I played like Madden 12 and I'd be like, yeah, that guy is like really good. So I just would like spam him for no reason. The reality is, I guess he never had, Never had more than 900 yards in a uh, in a season receiving. That was in 2011 when he was playing for Washington. But yeah, that that team was just it was a weak receiving core. But um, this was the year before they took Edelman, so yeah, that would have made a made a big difference on that team. 
Yeah, it's uh I think the previous season when they were fifteen and one or not fifteen one, uh sixteen and oh, they had I believe they had what was his name? Like Dante Stallworth, who was like supposed, he was like supposed to be good, but then he like killed someone and then they're like, Oh, well he's he's in jail now, so I think casual Dante Stallworth killed someone? No, I think let me look it up. I know he I'm not it's sure if he actually clip. I'm not sure if he actually went to jail, but I think he did because i i'm pretty sure he's he's pretty relevant right now he was suspended i know that um okay. for, ki- for killing someone yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um, is something you should <laughs> three game suspension let's take for uh, here. first degree murder <laughs> he uh, went to the arbitrary court he got it he got it moved down to a half <laughs> uh let's take a look here personal personal life yeah on the morning of march 14th 2009 stalworth struck and killed a pedestrian while driving his car uh, at the eastern end of a place in miami florida that's according, not good. To, according to wikipedia did he so go to jail i am trying to see uh on april 9th Char- stalworth was charged with dui manslaughter he surrendered to police on april 2nd 2009 and was released on a two hundred thousand dollar bail Dang, how this is, he pulled no J. Yeah, how can oof. you get released for that? That's that's just an oof. But yeah, I will I remember, say though. Sorry, you go. Oh yeah, I I do remember that he was. The only reason I know that name is because I know that was like his only good season. I think on the 2007 team. So, oh well, okay, he had like 697 yards, but still, that's you know, <laughs> that's your oh. third receiver right there out the window. Was so, Deion Branch on that team yet? I doubt it. He was not on 2007. 2008, I did not see his name. Yeah, I haven't either. But it seems like he was kind of that era. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, he was on the Seahawks then. Yeah. Oh, I think what happened is he I th- he was an older player than I thought because I think he was on those early, like, dynasty teams, and then he left and then came back towards the end of his career. I think and that's what he did. Tight end Ben Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He was on the Patriots last year, and I don't think he's been good for really any of his career, which is uh, serviceable. But I think I think it's kind of funny to see a forty-year-old tight end who's on a team twelve years apart. He wasn't Nick even Freeman, on this team. Nick Freeman, you know how I feel about tight ends; they're kind of dumb. Well, so I mean, 20, 2015, Watson put up seventy-four catches, eight hundred twenty-five yards. Not too bad. Pretty good, actually. Um, yeah. but, a bit yeah. above serviceable. Big, he's a big like humanitarian guy. He's like yeah. always like the front runner for the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. So, you know, he's uh that's probably why he's still in the league. But yeah, I mean, on the offensive side, he's like this team just wasn't really that good. It's it's still surprising to me that they were, according to Football Reference, they had the eighth best offense in the league. I'm not sure how that's possible. Um, Pretty good, good offense to line. Yeah, that's that's true. They, uh, yeah, they they did have a good offensive line. Wide receiver wise, they might not have much depth, but this is one of the best. Maybe not this season, but one of the best wide receiver duos in NFL history. Welker and Randy Moss. That's no matter who yeah. you have behind them. That's pretty lethal. Yeah, and also this is. I'm not now. This this raises an interesting question. If you know, I always thought great quarterbacks are able to like take nobody wide receivers and turn them into like having good seasons that was something i always thought brady did really well but is that just brady or is that like a belichick thing so i that's an interesting question because it seems like matt castle was doing that not as well but 
you know, you never know. Well, Daniel, I think you got to consider what you're asking here. So, look, you give Carson Wentz absolutely nobodies to throw to. He's still making plays all over the field. The team is horrible. Like, the team sucks. It's, 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 the team is no good. But I think, I think that's not just a Brady thing. And I know this is more broad than what you were expecting, but I think that's not just a Brady thing. I mean, if you gave Case Keenum, specifically, I'm going to go Case Keenum with the Vikings, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen to throw to, he's going to have a lot of success, as he did. If you give Matt Castle a top three receiver all time and a, and a really good, solid, white, slot, fast guy, Wes Welker, then you're going to have a lot of success, and you give him the best coach of all time, I think you're going to have a lot of success Yes, Matt Castle was a lot better than the typical backup, and Matt Castle did start for a decent amount of time. So I think it does depend on the person. But I think it, I think anybody capable around the Andy Dalton talent range would find similar success that Matt Castle found. Not sure what Wes Walker's whiteness has to do with that, but yeah, I mean that was always what I. But you know I, the type I'm talking about, yeah. Cole Beasley, Chris Hogan, you know what I mean. Yeah, that I mean that's always how I defined like when they talk about like the it factor that a lot of quarterbacks have because I noticed that like Aaron Rodgers can do that pretty well. He like you know Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez Scantling, you know nobody's ever heard of these guys, but somehow they're you know catching 80 yard touchdowns. Marquez Valdez Scantling says that he's the fastest person in the league. I'll take his word for it. Okay. Well, at the same know. time, though, they're Mark Alan Lazard and Marcus Valdez Scantling. I guess Lazard at glimpses, but it's not like they're good receivers. Yeah, and Rogers really is not making them seem like great receivers. He's just making them seem like starters. I guess. Which I yeah. guess is a bit of an elevation. I I would say that I think that's more of the the definition that I was going for. This is interesting though in kicking and punting. So they still had Steven Goskowski when he was the ripe age of twenty four. He uh, made 36 out of 40 field goals, so that's pretty good. And then they had their punter was Chris Hansen, which is interesting because I always think of that like that weird show where they like catch predators and the guy was Chris Hansen. Know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. There you go. Yeah, that that's a funny show sometimes. But also, Matt Castle had one punt for 57 yards. <laughs> That's a random. That's a random stat. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's Absolute pretty- cannon of a leg. That's insane. I think Brady had a 50 yard punt once, also. So yeah. maybe, maybe Belichick grooms him. Yeah, I remember the the Patriots used to do that. It'd be like a third down and 20, and Brady would just like take a shotgun snap and just punt it like 35 yards down the field. Roethlisberger used to do that too a couple of times. I remember Ben Roethlisberger. They call it the pooch kick. Yeah. <laughs> do I, any of you remember the Randall Cunningham old Vikings quarterback? I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. The ninety-yard punt he had. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I he had a ninety-yard punt. I, yes, I, remember I think that. he's the longest punt in longest punt in NFL history was by a quarterback. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Johnny Hecker might. Johnny Hecker made a case for being a top five punter all time on Monday. I'm not oh man, you. that's just that was just be. pain. That was just pure pain to watch me do that. We maybe should do a maybe it did analysis. Of our top five. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that, that, that's our next collab right there, in-depth analysis of the punters. But maybe if the Bears didn't have the walking fair catch known as Ted Ginn, they might actually have better field position. But hey, I digress. Hey, 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 I really like Ted Ginn. I really like what he's doing for the Bears, okay? I, I wish he oh, you like, you love it. You love his, like, 120-yard reception, don't you? <laughs> the thing is, he doesn't fair catch it. He just lets it bounce. He, well, he no, he fair it. catches it and then runs 10 yards forward of the ball, and then it just goes 10 yards back. It's yeah. just All right, Dan- Daniel, let me, let me ask you a question. I know it's your show, but let me ask you a question. Do you think – because I actually thought 
three weeks ago, I was under the impression that the two and two Patriots were a top five team in the NFL. What has happened since then? And why is, why is their situation different than 2008? Besides the fact that they have receivers, because they have an MVP quarterback. Cam Newton won MVP. Yeah. I know he's a different man than he was, but why is this team different than the other one was? Well, I mean, I think we can all agree that Matt Castle is an MVP in all of our hearts anyway. But also, yeah. Cam Newton is, first of all, Cam Newton was, is recovering from COVID, so that might have an effect on how the team is. I haven't watched a ton of Patriots games because they're not as watchable as they were a few years ago. But I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of th- the one thing that I think Brady brought to the team that kind of, that they don't have anymore that a lot of people kind of, you know, gloss over is like the intensity that Brady has, you know, every single time he would like, I don't know, you know, accidentally throw a nin route on an out route to Chris Hogan or whatever. He'd like throw his helmet on the ground and, you know, start screaming or whatever, which is, I think something that the Patriots kind of need, you know, Cam Newton is kind of like a weird personality, but he's not like, you know, he's not going to yell at his teammates. Like he's going to just kind of like, you know, wear his crazy hats to the press conferences and just like, you know, do his thing. I think the Patriots are kind of lacking like that. Well, they're lacking like an X factor on offense. Definitely. Their offense is missing something. Um, But they're also lacking that intensity because, you know, Bill Belichick brings about as much intensity as like a cat. So, you know, I don't know. Um, That's why I don't think they're that good. But if you look on the defensive side for this uh, 2008 Patriots team, you see that Gerard Mayo led uh, the team in tackles at the age of 22. I kind of remember this guy, but I also remember that he kind of had like a shorter career, didn't he? Um, he had a decent career. He retired five years ago, I think. Um, I, I do remember vividly him in, I think it was Takio Spikes. Takio Spikes, yeah, that's you know, a name. Spikes. And they were always injured. Very good when they played, but I remember at least towards the end of their careers, both those guys played very limited time. Yeah, well, your memory is pretty good because uh, he only played, Gerard Mayo played about like, was that, seven seasons? And then for the last three, he did not start more than eight games. So yeah, that that definitely makes uh, sense. But yeah, Gerard Mayo, I remember that he was really good when he played, but when he didn't, you know, the whole team kind of fell. They also had Brandon Merriweather. I think he played for the Bears for a little bit. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, and then still had Teddy Bruschi and then Vince Wilfork. <laughs> Completely oh forgot about Vince Wilfork. I will never time, forget about him. The only time I see him now is on that, like, DraftKings commercial where, like, the guy is like, hey, Vince, can you, like, help me draft my team? And he's just, like, eating, like, eating, like, all of his food or something like that. I don't know. It's kind of funny. He's like turned himself into like the Peyton Manning of defensive tackles now. Off the Peyton team. Manning, uh, the uh, what does Peyton Manning do? All state Papa John's, or uh, is it nationwide? Nationwide, nationwide. Papa John's. Nationwide, yeah, no. Uh, Vince Wilfork is the Peyton Manning of nationwide of sports gambling of defensive <laughs> tackles. It's a long title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah, they also had Richard Seymour. I forgot about yeah. this guy. He was like Hilarious really man. good. He was really good. Yeah, seven-time Pro Bowler, uh, all-2000s team. But I think at that point oh, – well, he still had two Pro Bowl seasons before he retired after 2008. But, you know. Uh, defense of front is the most dominant probably in Patriots of this dynasty. He's right yeah. now, at least in the recent 
recent years, they've been very secondary focused. Mm-hmm. But right here, this run stopping defense is probably on the historic side. Yeah, they got the uh, he. I think he had eight sacks that year. Not sure if that led the team, but um, let's see. Did that lead the team? Uh, yeah, it did. So he led them in sacks. The second one was a guy named Adelius Thomas. I've never heard of that guy. He only had five. What? Oh, he actually made the Pro Bowl twice. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, he was born in a town called Equality, Alabama. That's you just, of, you just love the random facts, don't you? Yeah, that's kind of an oxymoron. I've, I've heard of that but... place because it's an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of funny just to look at these old teams and see some of these random players that like just kind of like popped off and you're just like, huh, forgot that guy existed, you know? Um, but yeah, so this team finished 11 and 5. They're second in the division. Um, I'm looking at like the box scores of each of their games right now. They started off like five and two, and then they finished 11 and five. So this team is pretty solid all the way around. I think the, the thing that's sticking out is they didn't really, they don't seem to be allowing a ton of points. You know, there are a few anomalies here and there, but like overall, the defense was pretty solid. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, um, this defense is one of the best front sevens I've ever seen on paper. Just going to say that. Secondary-wise, though, it's not really a usual Belichick secondary. Um, Brandon Merriweather was a star. But these other guys, Ellis Hobbs, Delpha O'Neal, and James Sanders were the other starters. To be honest, I've heard of none of those three. (laughs) Delpha O'Neal. Well, that's a name. Yeah, that is hey, a name. But they still did have Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater is an absolute tank. He was in the league then? Yeah, yeah. I oh was his... I did not know he was that old. That might have been his rookie. Yeah, that was his rookie year. Wow. Uh, wait, they it... lost um, Asante Samuel the year before, which definitely. That's tough. That's Asante tough. Samuel Jr. currently at Florida State, though. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. He's good. pretty um, good. Oh, th- I didn't realize. Oh, actually, well, first thing I was going to say is. I, the Patriots would have won that Super Bowl the year before versus the Giants, I think, if Asante Samuel didn't drop that interception at the end of the game, I think. If you look it up, there's a play at the end where he had an interception. On the I, know you're, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I think the hypothetical, because if we're just going off hypotheticals, if Brett Favre doesn't throw the interception in the NFC Championship game in overtime, I think the Packers probably beat the Patriots in that Super Bowl to begin with. So I, I really don't think that, you know, I don't really think that matters. <clears throat> we're just talking you, about hypothetical. You could go hypothetical with anything. Like if David Tyree drops that pass. I just like drops. I just like talking about Packers football and Nick Fruit. Okay. <laughs> but, uh something I didn't realize, Matthew Slater's dad is Jackie Slater, who I recognize that name. He was a seven time Pro Bowler and a Hall of Fame uh looks like tackle and guard for the Rams in the seventies and eighties. So that's pretty interesting. Um but yeah, this conversation has just gone like so far off but yeah it's just it's uh you know it it seems like one of those classic Belichick teams where like you don't really know why they're winning you don't really know why they're good but they just kind of are it's kind of like the last few years with the Patriots you know yeah and I would say bringing it back to this year one of the reasons people are losing faith in the Patriots pretty much on a daily basis after seeing Cam Newton play the last two weeks is People aren't giving Belichick enough credit from at the beginning of the season. He's completely switched an offensive scheme 
He's not even necessarily an offensive coach, but him and McDaniels completely switched it. Brady and Cam Newton could not really be more different as quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. And it looked really successful. But also, when you're so new to something, the room for error is a lot less. You don't really know what you're getting rid of or what you're losing in all that. And having Cam Newton get COVID, which he is actually seems like he's affected by it because missing that one week of NFL action. And then now um, he's been a way worse quarterback than he was at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Is really kind of making the scheme a little bit useless. And the Patriots have not had to deal with this before because they've never had a Cam Newton-like quarterback. So it's just really they are still figuring out ways to fix it because it's so new to them. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's just kind of funny when you're watching a Patriots game. You don't expect the quarterback to be doing like design QB runs up the middle. But uh, yeah, I was looking at some of their coaching staff from 2008. They had a lot of uh, notable assistants. So Brian Flores, who's now the uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was their special teams assistant. He would later be the linebackers coach, I believe. Uh, They also had Bill O'Brien, who was the wide receivers coach. I think he would be – he would later go on to coach Penn State, I believe. Um, Ooh, that's a tough coaching job. Yeah, especially – I think he also had to coach there, like, right after that, like, scandal broke with Jerry Sandusky. So that's kind of a tough job. And then, you know, as you know, he just kind of bumbled around the Texans and, you know, got himself fired. They also had Matt Patricia, who was the linebackers coach, and later would be the defensive coordinator. So that's um, that's before all their assistants left. Was McDaniels the Broncos coach that year? No, he was the offensive coordinator. I was looking at that before. Uh, he was – it's really funny. He was the offensive coordinator from New England from 2006 to 2008, Denver's head coach for two years, and then he was St. Louis's offensive coordinator in 2011, and then he went back to New England, and he's stayed there ever since. So that's pretty interesting. He is the reason Jake Cutler was not a good Bears player. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. I'm going to make McDaniels uh, – or get mad at McDaniels for that. Josh McDaniels is statistically the best quarterback in Bears history. What else do you want? Wait, Who? what? Josh McDaniels? Jake Cutler, you mean? No, that? Jake Cutler. My bad, Jake yeah, Cutler. Yeah. Is. Um, well, I wanted him to be, like, a great quarterback. I mean, he was, he was pretty good, better than anyone we've had since him. But Yeah, he had a few good years. He just threw a lot of interceptions, and it was like – He wasn't very good against the division, which I think is important to note. Yeah, you know, they should have made the playoffs in uh, – what was it, 2012, I believe? That was uh, – They started out 7-1. and one. They ended up not making the playoffs, which is pretty impressive if you ask me. Yeah, I just I, – I just What was the year of the – Randall Cobb. The Chris I, Conte, yeah. That was – I think that was 2014. Was that 14 or 12? I can't 14, remember. 14, the Packers went to the AMC Championship game against the Seahawks and lost. 15, they played the Cardinals in the divisional round and lost. I think it was 13. I think it was 13. Okay, Maybe. yeah. Because it was Shane McClellan who caused the injury, one of my least favorite players of all time. And I still have not gotten over um, oh, God. Chris Conte. Chris Conte. Fum- no, the fumble. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I think no, one, no one picked it up. No one yeah, picked no it one up. Picked oh, it up. Jared Boykin, classic, yep. classic, absolute yeah. classic play. That was tough. Oh. I remember watching that, and I'm just like, come on, man. Like, why are you blitzing on fourth down and I mean, if eight? it makes you feel any better, if it makes you feel any better, we lost in the first round of the playoffs to the 49ers. 49ers end up going to the Super Bowl and losing. 
Oh, that was the year they got bounced by Kaepernick. No, the that? 49ers lost to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. That was the first championship that the Seahawks won. No, no, I was that saying was, that was the year yeah, the yeah. Packers got bounced by Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah then I, that 81-yard yeah. run. I remember, I think... No, I no, 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 no. That was different, that was different, that was different, that was different. That was the year before. That was 2012 when the 49ers lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl. But in 2013, uh, Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone, lost to the Colin Kaepernick as a fifth seed, and then... Uh, it was the year where I believe what's his name Richard Sherman with Michael Crabtree with the Aaron Andrews interview and he's like yeah when you're pulling with a star receiver like Crabtree that's the result you're gonna get you know what I mean that's the same year they went made the Super Bowl no because Kaepernick made the Super Bowl the first year that he took over and then the second year was the Sherman interception I do know that oh yeah. oh my God I was thinking Sherman was on the 49ers <laughs> yeah I completely was... blanked those two teams out right now. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a funny era. They had like, it was just you know I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Like the two thousand eight through like two thousand twelve seasons, like the there was so much parody in those like those that like five year time span. It was just like it was more refreshing than it is now. <laughs> they they still had uh they still had Manning in the AFC. Um, they still had the elite Joe Flacco. Mark Sanchez was doing some damage where he could, but uh. It's uh, it's an interesting, interesting era on that. I I do think we're about to get that though. Yeah. Um, it looks like there's a new quarterback wave that's about to finally settle. Yeah. Oh I, my God. Nick. I, I hope it's not. I hope it's not dominated by Mahomes. I really feel like. I hope it's not just the AFC is the same three teams. You know, next ten years, but. You know. Hopefully, mm. American Daniel, dream. Daniel, listen to these quarterbacks. Listen to these quarterbacks. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. Patrick Mahomes, Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, um, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Jordan Love. <laughs> nope. Joe Burrow, Justin <laughs> Herbert, to uh, Deshaun unreal. Watson. Like, literally unreal. Uh, unreal. <laughs> Nick, unreal. Foles, Nick Foles. I mean, yeah. Mitch Trubisky, watch out. Taking over the league. Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz in a couple of years. Graham Mertz. Next, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> eh? Eh? Joe Milton. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't watched a ton of college football this year. I don't know. Since the Big Ten wasn't playing for a while, it was just like, eh, whatever. What am I going to do? Watch Alabama beat up this Division three team that's just happy to get a nationally televised game? Like, nah, I got better what, things to do. do, do what are you talking about? They're only playing conference games. Oh, they are? Oh. No, Bam- uh, Bama played some trash team. Yeah. I think I, I heard that was like a thing, like a division two team like pays the like the other team to get them on a nationally televised game just mm-hmm. for the TV because they know they're going to lose by like nine touchdowns. Well, so that's usually true. But week 11 every year, the SEC actually, Alabama and Auburn, maybe Georgia, but those teams for sure will mm-hmm. pay like the Citadel or Southern Alabama or someone <laughs> horrible. Citadel. And they actually pay the team. Because they want that easy win going into it before rivalry week, week 12. Yeah. And they're big games. So maybe it's week 12, then week 13 because it buys. But that's one yeah. the SEC will pay. Oh, I, I do got a question since you guys know a good amount about college football. This conversation has just gone all over the place. But what do you guys think of the, uh, the college football playoff? Do you think it's a better system than, like, the FBS system? Or do you think it should be expanded? Um, I would like to see six teams, to be totally honest. I think – there needs to be some there needs to be some leeway where a non power five team has a chance at making it. Yeah. And 
they're also going to stop ha- or going to have to stop putting Oklahoma and Notre Dame. If they keep it at four teams, Oklahoma and Notre Dame are going to have either going to keep making it every year and losing the first round every year, or just going to be completely banned banned from the college football playoff because they lose every single year they're in it for kind of an unfair reason. Nick, I just – it has to be four. And you know it has to be four. Nick, who are the best three um, programs in the country? Consistently every year based on recruiting classes. So Ohio um, State, Alabama, Clemson probably, right? Yeah, Alabama, Clemson, the team down south. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah. And then it's Georgia, but I'd say these two, these these are all together. Um, obviously, the podcast listeners can't see my hand because we're recording with our faces right now. But um, <laughs> Clemson, okay, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama are in a league of their own, and it's really not even close. Like, it, it really isn't even close. I mean, I know Georgia sometimes gets the best recruiting class, but Kirby Smart is not Nick Saban. I don't like Dabo Sweeney, but he's a really good college football coach. And who's the coach of Ohio Ryan State? Day. <laughs> Ryan Day. Ryan Day has been groomed by the second best college football coach probably ever. Or ever, Myers. ever, up there. He's up there. He's up there. Myers unreal. Myers unreal. Probably not ever. Anyways, but... anyways, listen, listen. It has to be four because every time the ones he plays the four seed, besides the exception with Ohio State in the first year, it's not even close. I want to see Alabama play Clemson. I want to see Ohio State play Alabama. Whatever. I barely care about Georgia because when Georgia plays Alabama, they just get smoked. Georgia can't win big games. Oklahoma can't win big games, and Notre Dame sucks. They don't get good quarterbacks. They, it's so. Nothing. Why should it not be a three-team playoff then? Um, I actually wouldn't be opposed to that. I I actually wouldn't be opposed to that. The but one like, seed is How would that work? Seasons, oh yeah, bye. Would, would your problem with that? Because I have absolutely no problem with that. The four, I think it should be like a ten-team playoff personally. No, because it's so pointless. It's but, so it's so top heavy. But think about like two years ago, what that was like UCF or something. They went like undefeated like two years in a row, and they didn't even have a shot at the college football playoff. Daniel, let me let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. Every single year, Alabama has a top three recruiting class. Every year, Ohio State. Every year, Clemson. Okay, there are 20, 25 star recruits in the ACC. How many do you think Clemson has? Twenty, fifteen, eighteen. There are, 20, there are twenty. There are five star recruits. Nick Freeman, you already know the answer to this question. There are twenty five star recruits in the Big Ten. How many are in Ohio State? Eighteen. Fourteen. It's you're not. It's not fair. It's it's really not fair. And honestly, it's not even close. If you want to argue, I will keep four. I'm fine with four because four is fine because I can rely on whoever the number one is. Obviously, going to be Clemson this year because the thing about Clemson is, Nick, you've watched Trevor Lawrence play. He's bored. He can't wait to play Notre Dame. He wants to play everybody because he's bored. He's an NFL quarterback. And to even think that there's anybody who's going to beat them this year is almost laughable unless you're talking about Ohio State or Alabama because nobody's going to beat them. Clemson is different than Ohio State and Alabama, though. Clemson and the ACC is not losing, but I know, Ohio right. State and Alabama can play in close games. But you've got NFL quarterbacks, and you've got on Alabama, Nick, how many first-round picks on the top of your head do you think Alabama has? I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it out loud on this roster. All right. Mac Jones, probably not. Najee Harris, shouldn't be because running backs should never go in the first round. Jalen Waddell, assuming. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Smith, maybe. Alex Leather would have tackle. Um, then defensively, Dylan Moses, Christian Barmore, Patrick Sertain, and let's see, um, is there anyone else? John Meachie, maybe another really good receiver. Bryce Young, their backup quarterback, will probably be a first-round pick at some point. Their center, who's slipping their name, will be a first-round pick at some point. 
So yeah, Alabama's got it. Same with Ohio State. Same with Clemson. They're this. These are the words that I've seen in every article. They're NFL factories. It's not close. It has to be four teams. I wouldn't be opposed to three. I'm fine with four. But the one seed always routes the four seed. It's it's over. It, yeah, it has to, to, be to me, that's in my opinion. I think that's why we need a larger playoff, just so there's the possibility of an upset. Because in a four team playoff, it's just like if it's Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and then some, you know occasionally you get a Washington or you get a Georgia or an Oregon or whatever. It's just automatically a loss. I don't understand why that's a good thing for college football. It's just like, it's just pointless to watch at this point. The standalone bowl games are much more fun than the actual playoff itself because they're much more evenly matched. I don't know everything about college football, but in my opinion, I'd like to see a larger playoff. I think if they expand it to be bigger than six games, what I said, I mean, maybe four games, even if they expand it bigger than four games, bowl games just won't really matter. Yeah. They barely do now. They they barely do now. I mean. Oh, yeah. There's marketing. I've heard people say to me, specifically over the weekend, a friend of mine I was talking to him, he said, college football is better than the NFL. And I said, why? And he said, if you take fantasy out of the NFL, then you wouldn't watch it. I was like, okay, but you have to take it as it is. And then he, and then he pushed me to this point. Bowl season is better than the NFL playoffs. And that is actually the most ridiculous thing I may have ever heard from anybody. The bowl season, the bowl season outside of the six games is the biggest cash grab in sports. It is the biggest cash grab. Product placement. It's just, that's just all it is. I remember, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to sound like such a boomer when I say this, but like, I remember five years ago, it was just, you know, the orange bowl and the Rose bowl and the Fiesta bowl. Now it's the PlayStation, you know, Fiesta bowl and the, Whatever, Papa John's Orange Bowl or yeah. whatever. The GoDaddy Gator well, Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> they used they've always had sponsors, but now they've added them to yeah. the name. It's and, just product placement at this point. Yeah. And really, this year especially, every single team is bowl eligible, which mm-hmm. doesn't make bowls impressive at all. So this year, exactly. Six, when it's six wins, bowls mean very little. If they made bowls like eight wins or something, bowl Maybe. season compete with NFL playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I but think the, until we get to that point, the NFL playoffs outside of march madness which is also unreal cash grab like don't 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 get me wrong but it's entertaining like it's way more nick freeman what are you more likely to do sit down on uh winter break and just watch a bunch of bowl games or are you on spring break you're gonna sit down and watch a bunch of march madness games um both probably (laughs) i mean i mean i like march madness more than bowl games if that's what you're asking me and i guess i like winter break more than spring break which i think is a very important question that's fair the, th- the thing about, like, that argument that college- bowl season is better than NFL playoffs, the NFL playoffs and March Madness has something that college football doesn't. It has parity. College football is, like, you just, it's, like, it, I don't know. The frustrating thing to me about watching college football is, like, first of all, if you're not a fan of, like, one of five teams, your team has no chance to do anything. Second of all, a college team could literally go undefeated and still not even make the college football playoff. Doesn't make any sense to me paradox yeah it's just like you know i i personally i think it should be expanded but i you know james winston's not in college anymore so i don't watch that much college football so i don't know it's uh it, it's an interesting philosophical question in the world of sports mm-hmm. um but what were we talking about again oh yeah the 2008 patriots we might as well uh close out the episode with how did this team do so as i said before they went 11 and 5 and uh, in the playoffs, yeah, so the Patriots, oh, they didn't make the playoffs. That's interesting. Mm. 
You know why? Because the Titans went 13-3, and got the one seed. Steelers won their division. The Dolphins won their division. Okay, I was wrong. Jets didn't win. It was the Dolphins. I guess that was before the Sanchez. Just, you know, I don't know. That was Curtis took, Martin. Took the league by yeah. storm, the Sanchez. Yeah. Colts was... got the five seed. Chargers got the four seed. And then Baltimore took the six seed. What were you going to say? Who was on the Dolphins? Uh, I, you know what I think? I think, was this the Wildcat offense year where they just only ran Wildcat? I think it was. I, I don't know who was on this. Because, oh, yeah, their starting quarterback was Chad Pennington. Actually, it wasn't that bad, but for a small sample size. Drafted over Brady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so was Giovanni Carmuzzi or whatever that guy's name was. So Is he yeah. the goat farmer? So yeah. is DeMarcus Ware. Or the, the goat yoga guy? Yeah, I, uh, it's like the, he's the farmer guy. Giovanni Carmezzi, that's his name. I forgot his... Yeah, yeah, no, he does... His thing is, he does goat yoga. Yeah, he's not even, it's like... how long. he's become famous. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the Dolphins, they had... Man, they had Ronnie Brown, who had 916 yards and 10 touchdowns and a Pro Bowl. They also had, you know, the last of whatever Ricky Williams was at that point. Uh, and then they had my boy Ted Ginn as their returner. So, that's... uh. Oh, also, Joey Porter, 17 and a half sacks. That helps. Um, was uh, Jason Taylor? I believe this was probably after because he's not on this list. But uh, Cameron Wake? Cameron Wake was probably playing. He was, I think, a little after. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Their coach was uh, Tony Sperano. That's interesting. Never that heard of that guy. Where's, where's he at? Whatever he's at. He's probably like a coordinator somewhere. But yeah, I think this is the Wildcat year because they beat New England 38-13 to in week three. That's insane. So eventually in 2008, the Patriots, uh, I believe they let Matt Castle go. And I think he went to the Chiefs after that. And uh, is he still in the league? I don't know. Is he, on, is he on a team? Matt Castle? I thought, who was playing? Was it Matt Nick? Was it Matt Moore who replaced Patrick Mahomes last year when he was out for like a game? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah Matt Schaub. Yeah. Matt Schaub is on the Falcons right now, but Classic. Matt Castle's done. I remember yeah. he was on the Lions a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, like he's out of the league. Played for the Lions in 2018, so that's mm-hmm. uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, so the Super Bowl champion this year was the Steelers. They, I believe, this is the year that they beat the Cardinals on uh, the San Antonio Holmes catch. So. Yeah, that is the uh, the wild world of 2008 when the economy crashed and the Steelers oh. won the Super Bowl. <laughs> so there you so go. So you're saying because the economy crashed this year, the Steelers are also going to win the Super Bowl? Did the well, I guess so. Eh, <laughs> not as bad, but <laughs> I guess we're going to end. Nick, off Nick on Freeman, are we ready to draw that conclusion? Are we ready to draw that conclusion? I'm still hoping for the Bears. I, I, I'm holding out hope. You can keep hoping. You can keep hoping. Hey, man. I, I mean, Rodgers is going to get bounced in the championship anyway. So, you know, that's what he does. Yeah, but, you know, I've heard, you know, I've had a lot of arguments with a lot of people. I've had an argument with a Browns fan. He said, well, Rodgers is going to get bounced in the championship. And I was like, well, got to make the playoffs if you want to make an argument with me. So, yeah, I'm, Brown, cool. I'm Browns haven't Browns haven't made the playoffs in – either me or my older brother's lifetime, I believe. They last made the playoffs in 2002. So that's that's pretty tough. But yeah, so... That's I beyond guess. me and Freeman's time as well. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah so i guess i guess that's the conspiracy theory that we're gonna gonna close out the episode with since whenever the economy crashes the steelers will win the super bowl so we are on did they, record did they win in that. 19 1915 uh, whatever 20 they, they was it, it was in the 20s. maybe the 20s no, uh, the old 20s <laughs> yeah 1929 were they even around when the great depression hit was was i 14 years off oh god oof that, that's tough well, we don't talk. About, we don't talk about that. We don't. Talk we should about do. That. We should do an episode about that. <laughs> Football conspiracy. Biggest, yeah, theories. biggest conspiracy theories. Yeah, that should be our next episode. Yeah, um, that is going to conclude episode four of the Commissioner's Office podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed hearing uh, me specifically speak, you can check out the Commissioner's Office on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WNTHRadio.com. Also, John and Nicholas have a podcast called The Engine, which you can find on the same platforms. They got great content, and they got me on their latest episode. So, you know, feel Just free to check that, that out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> feel free to check that one out. It's a it's a really good episode. So, uh, for now, I will see you all next time.